Oh, this is Michael Langlois from the Vintage Leaf Memory Site, joined as always by Michael Stevens from the Maple Leaf Hot Stove, uh, one of the outstanding leaf sites around. And we're joined, we're going to get right to it today. We're actually a little bit delayed from when we wanted to kick this off, but we have everything worked through. Uh, we're very pleased to have Connor McKenna on from TSN Radio in Montreal. He's also, some of you no doubt heard him on Sirius XM. He's been following the club, covering the Habs for, for I think he's in his seventh season now. Connor, first of all, thanks for joining us and uh, welcome. We appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, it's my first hangout, so uh, thank you for uh, helping me break my hangout virginity. As it were. And listen, it, well, and it, just, we've done that with all sorts of uh, sports media this year. Yes, cool. well, well said, Michael. But um, what can I say? It 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 is a uh, it's an elusive technology, but we're trying to master it. Connor, it's taken some time. Let's kick it off because I know because we're a little behind schedule, you only have a limited amount of time. But let's start. Uh, Carey Price, superhero, uh, underrated, overrated. I mean, those are simplistic terms. But I just always think with Carey Price, you hear on the one hand. He's one of the greatest goalies that the Habs have had, and other times Leaf or Hab fans seem frustrated with him. Uh, what are you seeing from this guy? Is he the backbone of the team right now? He is. Uh, I think that uh, if you're going to look at most valuable player, if you're going to look at it in the uh, the player who's most valuable to their team, if you took the player away from the team, yes. uh, what the team would look like, I think you, there's no question he's the Canadian's most valuable player. Uh, he's been outstanding for them all year long. We really did get a look at how much he means to the team in the post-Olympic period when he missed a couple of weeks. They had uh, the goaltending was horrendous. This is not a they're not a great team, and I think that he glosses over a lot of the issues that they have. He keeps them in hockey games they probably shouldn't be in, and and I think uh, he died. And look, I think the country got a pretty good idea watching him at the Olympics uh, with a great team in front of him, of course. But this is about for me, for my money, and maybe I'm a little bit biased. As good of a goaltender as there is in the National Hockey League. So, okay, quick question then, and I know Michael will want to jump in in a second, but it's sort of a quick two-pronged one, Connor. Who's the guy that, for Leaf fans may not be aware of, but has flown under the radar outside of Montreal, but who's been an invaluable have this season? So maybe a bit in the surprise category, if I can put it that. And then who has been maybe a, a, a bigger disappointment than you personally say would have anticipated back in September at training camp? Well, I think that uh, Daniel Briere has been a disappointment to many, although not to me personally, because I didn't expect he was going to be much of a difference maker for this team this year. Uh, I think that a lot of fans were hoping, and still are, I think he's got that playoff track record that a lot of people are sort of saying, well, he knows when to turn it on, and, and you can give Briere credit in some senses. In some ways, he's the answer to both questions, because in very limited ice time and, and very limited opportunities, frequently on the fourth line, playing less than 10 minutes a game, He's come through and scored some, uh, scored some big goals for this hockey team this year. He's been doing it all year. He hasn't complained a whole lot. Uh, if you're looking at other guys, I'd say Brandon Prust is a, is a guy who I think they're really going to miss. Uh, they're a much better hockey team with Prust in the lineup. We know that he's going to miss the remainder of the regular season, if not more, uh, into the playoffs, so perhaps his season is over. Uh, he's been a guy who's been a real difference maker for the Canadians and, and the type of player I think that they've missed for a long time Health has been an issue since he signed, but he's the kind of guy you need more of. He's the kind of guy who, and I think the Leafs are, are definitely a, an organization that are acutely aware of the need for guys like this, heart and soul guys, guys that will do anything uh, for their teammates, and, and Prest is that. Uh, so he's maybe flown under the radar a little bit uh, this year, although I've done a terrific job. 
Michael? Oh, I was going to say uh, I'm I'm quite glad as a uh, as a follower of the Leafs. I'm quite glad that Prust isn't in the lineup. He has agitating qualities that endear him to the Montreal faithful right away. Um, that just 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 you you want to hit him in the face. Just he's just so annoying. He gets in everybody's grill uh, and he finishes his checks. And uh, I certainly I certainly would say that uh, it's a benefit that he's not in the uh, in the lineup for the Habs, at least from the Leafs' perspective. Um, what I wanted to get to was looking at how this season has been a success when you've had a healthy Andre Markov. Hasn't missed a single game this season, which is the first time in how long have you been able to say that? What are the contributions that he's really giving to the, uh, to the Habs right now? Um, and, and I guess how important is he to the team right now? He's very important. He's, he's the classic... Uh, he's the classic defenseman. He's the guy that uh, every team needs on the back end. And I think you can look at the Canadians, and, I, and the first thing you'd say is the power play. Uh, for all the, the differences there's been in Montreal over the years, and you guys have been following you know, the team and, and watching them play the Leafs time and time again, the power play has been a constant, right? And whether it's been... Uh, who am I thinking of? Well, there's Marc-Andre Bergeron, Matthew Schneider, Mark right. Streit, Sheldon Surrey. Um, guy after guy, right? The PK Subban now at this point, but the list goes on and on of these guys who, on the power play, have turned into trigger men. And for me, that begins and ends with Andre Markov. Markov is probably better at keeping the puck in the offensive zone with a man advantage than anybody in the National Hockey League. He's he's unbelievable at doing that. It's an underrated skill and one of those ones you don't, of course, see make a lot of uh, highlight shows. But he has that steadying force on the back end on the power play. Now, the power play is, is, has died down for the Canadians since the beginning of the year. And I think a big part of it is because teams have been able to sort of key in on Subban and Markov on the points. And the guys down low haven't done a whole lot. So uh, the addition of Thomas Vanek has helped with that a little bit. But, but that's, I think, sort of the first thing you notice with Markov. The other thing is he's just he's a very smart veteran guy. I mean, you don't play in the league for as long as a guy like that has and play big minutes for as long as he has, top pairing minutes for as long as he has, without being kind of cagey. He doesn't have the speed that he once did, and he was he was just such a good skater earlier on in his career. All those knee injuries have changed that a little bit, but he's so smart positionally. He knows when to pinch. He so rarely makes mistakes, and uh, he really is. I mean, he's, he's a real good calming force on the back end. In any situation, he's a great penalty killer. He's terrific at even strength. And uh, that's why I think a lot of Habs fans are a little bit worried that uh, maybe he's not going to end up uh, signing back with the team or, or what it is that's going to happen with him uh, in the offseason. But they have him for now, and uh, Habs fans are certainly happy about that. He's certainly been a thorn in the side of, Leafs, uh, of, of the Leafs. Uh, his talent alone pretty much ensured that Mike Commissaric would get that uh, awful deal in Toronto under Brian Burke. Um, so he's been a particular, I don't know, he's a, he's a, he's a particular Booberg favorite uh, <laughs> around here. Uh, despite it, but yeah, I, I will agree with you that uh, you know the power play, at least at least from the back end standpoint, Montreal might have the two best power play defensemen in the league right now with Subban and Markov. I mean, they've combined for I think 44 points uh, and about 10 goals on the power play this season. Huge part of their success. Um, and and I guess I guess coming into this, the real concern is the Leafs have been giving up power play goals. Uh, do you think uh, Tarion is going to be focusing on on trying to get? Uh, both Markov and Subban options, you know, in the high slot to uh, to, to wreak havoc on, on the Leafs tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say any more so than usual, but I, I'm, I'm sure that's something that the Canadians will be hoping to do uh, on the power play and, and whatever else. 
the thing I love about this matchup between Montreal and Toronto is that no matter what's going on standings-wise, and this has been true for a long time, but it's great now that both teams are in the playoff picture, it's always a, a very close game. It seems very rare that the game doesn't go to overtime or to a shootout, uh, so you know you're going to get a close game. And uh, It seems almost to me like you can throw those things out the window as far as the power play of one team and the penalty kill of the other team. You just it, It's a tough one to call. I think it always is, and it's, it's very... It, it's, it's been the case that the Canadians have had maybe the best power play in the league and the Leafs have been struggling on the PK uh, and and you'll see it turned on its head and, uh, and the Canadians will go 0 for 5 on the PP and the Leafs will be great on the PK uh, and, and maybe the Canadians will end up scoring a shorty or the other way around. I mean, it's I think my favorite thing about this matchup is just how unpredictable it is but always uh, how close the games are is, is something that I enjoy very much. You know, it's funny, Connor. I, I go back to the late 50s. That's when I started following hockey. So I've, I've seen this matchup a few hundred times, and it was it has it's almost always been similar to what you described. Not always closed games. And of course, there wasn't overtime in the regular season in the old days. But, but it just, everything, as you said, seems to get thrown out the window. It, it, it's two teams that, that seem to enjoy playing each other. And I'm glad you answered the question and, for Michael, because I was wondering, too, if the, if the rivalry, that supposed historic rivalry, which people like me remember, uh, still matters to the players in Montreal. Because uh, I think Toronto fans seem to think it's a big deal. I guess you're saying it still does, to a certain extent, still matters to Montreal fans, too. It certainly matters to the fans. And I think, you know, it's interesting because the Canadians, for, for all the Ontarians in the National Hockey League, and we know that there are hundreds of them, the Canadians aren't a team that, that are necessarily populated by a lot of Ontarians, for whatever reason. And sure. I, don't, I don't by design by any stretch. But I think that might sort of detract a little bit from, from the way the players might approach it. But they know how big this is. I think one thing that we've seen happen, and, and me as a 31-year-old having watched this team my whole life, as good as the, the rivalry is between the Leafs and the Canadians, it has, for people of my generation, been surpassed by the Boston-Montreal rivalry. Yes. The very, simple, the, the very simple reason for that is, is the fact that they've met in the playoffs so many times in the last couple of years. Now, I've never seen the Canadians play the Leafs in the playoffs, and it looks possible, although as the days go on, maybe a little bit more unlikely that we will see that happen this year. I think that's exactly what this rivalry needs. As good as it is right now, I think that there's another level or two we can get to if we see a playoff matchup between these two teams. And i, I got to tell you, I, I would absolutely love to see that in the first round. I think Michael and I would agree with you on that. That, that is what the this this matchup needs to take it back to the to what it used to be in terms of... Because it's all about playoffs. That's how teams... I mean, you know, anybody... The rivalry is ratcheted up if you play every other year or whatever in the playoffs. I think, Connor, you're absolutely right. But before we let you go, and, I'm, and I want Michael to get in again too, uh, last one for me. It's very rare that a coach goes back to coach his old team again. Tarion <laughs> is doing it. Uh, what are the, at this point in his second tenure, you know, still relatively early on, fans, media, players, what do you think the reaction is? I mean, is he considered to be doing a good job? I mean, I know none of us are experts, right? I mean, we're not in the room. But what's your sense of what, from players to fans to media, are, are thinking about Michelle the second time around? It's it's weird. I think that there's a couple of different things I could say about this, and it's I'm glad you asked about it because, for me, it's it's the most sort of fascinating thing about this team this year. 
this is a, a coach who, as you mentioned, he's, he's a, a retread. He's a guy who probably wouldn't have gotten a job in any other market than Montreal. And he got his job, like any Montreal Canadiens coach does, partially because of what language he speaks. Now, yes. this is an organization that puts themselves behind the eight ball right there. I can't think of, an, in any sport, a, an organization that makes personnel or hockey decisions based on the language that the player or the coach speaks. I mean, you, ultimately, I don't think you can be successful if you do that. But that's another story for another day. Terry, for a coach who's exceeded expectations as far as the standings go, I mean, the Canadians are, are in the top three in the division. Uh, they're uh, in a pretty good situation, although it's getting a little bit tighter as far as the playoff picture goes. Uh, but they were contending for the division lead for large parts of the season. And fans, I mean, as the host of the post-game show on, over on TSN Radio, I can tell you, fans do not like this guy. Every time there's an opportunity to jump down his throat, they will take it. Three-game winning streak, it'll slow down a little bit. Then as soon as they lose a game like they did the other night against Columbus, all of a sudden it's, it's the same thing all over again. One thing that he's done is on the other side of the coin, all year long, every time the Canadians start a losing streak or things look like they're really about to start going down the tubes, something miraculous happens. Last weekend, the Canadians scored, uh, what, uh, three goals in the last three minutes and 20 seconds and then beat Ottawa in overtime uh, in a game that I believe would have led to a four-game losing streak, and I think that the Natives would have been out with their torches and pitchforks uh, had they lost that game. But Terry, I mean, for a coach who's exceeding expectations and has the team looking very much like a playoff team, I've, I don't remember ever having a coach in Montreal that the fans disliked the way they dislike him. I think there's a lot of concern about his relationship with P.K. Subban. There's concern about uh, the way that he's bringing the young players along in general. Uh, where is Alex Galchenia compared to the way he was a year ago? Where is he going to be a year from now? Uh, Brendan Gallagher, I think, is, is maybe the exception, a guy who really is coming along. And, and I don't know how much that has to do with Michel Therrien, but if you're looking at the player who's improved the most since last year, it's Carey Price. And Michel Therrien doesn't get any credit for that because they brought in Stefan Wade out of Chicago to be his uh, goaltending coach. And that, I mean, is, is the thing that everyone's accrediting for his turnaround. So it's a weird thing with Terry. And the problem is, you know, everyone who's calling for his head, you, you fire Michel Terry, and what are you going to do? You're going to have to go into a very small pool of coaches who are French-speaking and try to find another guy. And who is it now? It's uh, Guy Boucher. Uh, everyone else seems to be employed right now, everyone who you might want to have as a coach. So for the, for the uh, foreseeable future, I don't think he's going anywhere. But Habs fans have a a strange love-hate relationship with their coach. More hate, I would say, than love. Uh, I appreciate your candor in answering that one, Connor. That, that, that make, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Michael, jump in. Maybe with, I know Connor's got to go in a second. What's, you have a final question? Uh, well, I, I guess uh, less a question and, and, uh, and, and more a comment. But uh, Max Pacioretty, uh, already 30 goals uh, on the season, um, has suffered some injuries already. How good is he? I mean, is this guy going to be a 40-goal scorer? Is he going to be the second-best American goal scorer in tonight's game? <laughs> um, you, you know, how, what can I guess what can you tell me about uh, Patch as, as a bit of an exit? Well, he's, he's a terrific player. Uh, you can count me among those who, who, who would say that I think he would be better served with another centerman. Uh, I don't think to have a Darren A is, is as good as a lot of Canadians fans uh, think he is, and I think to a large extent... Patch Reddy is the guy who carries Darnay. Uh, having said all that, I think he, he's, look, he's a terrific player. I think that what he's done is, is he's become less of a physical player, and, and I think for a while he was a player who would maybe go out of his way to throw a check. 
uh, would maybe get himself into tough spots because of that. He still is, he's not going to get pushed around, but the focus has been more on shooting the puck. Uh, and he was on a pace to score 40 goals at one point, even despite the fact that he had been hurt a little bit, uh, despite the fact that he came out of the gate so slowly this season along with, uh, with Dearne. I think he's a very good player. 40 goals is, is a big ask. Uh, is Phil Kessel at 40 goals yet this year? Is he uh, at the... 30, he's at 35 right now. So, and, and, you know, even Kessel is yet, I believe, and I could be wrong about this, but is yet to hit the 40-goal mark in his career. Uh, that's, it's a big ask to get to 40, and, and I think that uh, there are very few guys who can do it. Uh, if Pacioretty were to get the right centerman, maybe Alex Galchenyuk could be that guy in a year or two years from now if he's able to uh, become a centerman and play as a centerman, uh, which we are going to see tonight, apparently then I think the patch ready could get there. But right now, I'd say 30, 35 is about as, as high as I'm willing to go. Listen, Connor, thank you so much for that and, and for joining us. I just want to conclude by saying uh, I, I well remember, uh, because of my age, uh, the, the last time the Leafs and the Habs were in the playoffs in, in the 70s, right? They, they, they played a couple of years in a row. That was the Leaf team of, of Salming and Turnbull and Sittler and McDonald, and the Habs were one of the best teams I've ever seen in that late mid late 70s era and the Leafs lost in four straight two years in a row so I'm with you I think that it would be tremendous if we could see these two teams in a meaningful matchup and that will only really come in the playoffs and neither team is great I don't think either but like you said the Habs, this is not a this is not the mid late 70s Habs team this is not you know a Stanley Cup winning Leaf team but the Leafs you know have made some improvements they certainly can fly, they can skate, they can cause problems, and so can the Habs on any given night, and and I think it would be a hell of a matchup. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, that happens, and I'm hoping also that you would make some time for us, if they do play in the playoffs, to come back and drop by for a few minutes in a future hangout, if you'd be prepared to do that. You got yourself a deal. I, uh, I, I solemnly swear, scouts honor, that if these two teams meet in the playoffs, I will be back with you guys. And even if they don't, let's find a way to uh, hang out again soon. I would love to do that. Anyway, for, for both Michael and, and myself uh, and Alec and Declan, always behind the scenes and pulling these shows off, and they are tough to do because of the technology. We're making it happen. Connor, thanks so very much. We'll cut you loose because we know it's a game day and a work day for you. you got to run and, and, and got some prep and some other work to do, but thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Take care, Connor. That was Connor McKenna from TSN Radio in Montreal. Also, some of you have no doubt heard him on, on Sirius XM. Uh, that was great, Michael, and and uh, you know, and I, I think I think Connor's absolutely right. And well, you and I would agree. I mean, it, for this is all this has been a historic matchup. I know I talk about seeing this, but only you know, because some people may not realize they tune in, they don't know who the hell I am, or that I've you know seen this movie a few times uh, going back to the 50s and 60s. But I I'm with him and with you. I, if this matchup, it would be great if they they played in the playoffs. That would be. Can you imagine the horns honking, the flags in Toronto, and could you? I, can you imagine? Well, I, 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 I almost was able to imagine uh, if it weren't for Carrie Fraser. Um, but you're not bitter. This is what I like. No, though. no, but I'm not. No, but I'm not bitter. No, it's actually, it's actually. And you were young. You were a young guy at the I time. Would been, I would have been okay. So that was what '93, right? So I would yeah, have we're been talking in, 20 years ago. I would have been six still. And you still had a feeling even then. Was that because of your parents? Actually, yeah, yeah, my dad uh, more. So I remember. I remember. So he was bitter. Talking. He was. Oh my God. He's never. He. You should hear him talk about uh, Carrie Fraser's hair. It is. Like, it gets downright. You know. Um. 
profane, I guess is the word I would use. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Yes. Um, but well, I mean, his hair could stop bullets, and I'm sure my dad would love to try. Anyway, um, and Carrie never wore a helmet, right? No, he like, never to needed the bitter to. End. Never yeah, wore. Never, helmet. never, never needed to. He had uh, he had a hairnet or aquanet or whatever, keeping it uh, keeping it all good. But uh, no, I remember my dad was so excited because at the time it had been about 15 years since the last time the Leafs had met in the playoffs, and it had That's been right. since 1967. That, or, no, no 78, 79. That was that was that was the last time. But it would have been that the Leafs would have met. Oh, in the finals. The finals. That was the big oh, yeah, deal. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, and that would have been that would have been going back into the '60s, obviously. Centennial years, 1967. That's part yeah. of why it was a big deal. And and so. Uh, I've I've always felt a little bit uh, I've always felt a little bit robbed even as a kid because I was I was so happy and excited uh, even then actually and I still I felt I have very distinct memories of being really upset. Um, uh, during that hey, I can relate. I I very much remember when I was that age and the Leafs. Yeah, uh, it's not too young, and especially if your dad is feeling the pain, right? You're 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 right there, sort of feeling it along with them because you see your dad is is uh, is struggling. Well, Hey, I'm, I'm, that might have that might have uh, effectively ended his uh, his his insanely fandom and gave him a more reasonable one. Uh, so, well, it takes <laughs> it anyway, takes a traumatic enough event, right? No, and that and that was you know what? And I remember the mood, and I I won't go on because we don't talk about the current at least for a couple minutes before we we finish this. Uh, but I remember the mood in the city of Toronto the day after Game Seven against the Kings. It there was a pall over the city. I mean, for those who cared about this sort of thing. It was a real downer. There was so much excitement about the possibility of getting to the finals for the first time since 67, playing Montreal in the finals. It was a big deal. Anyway, we'll set that aside. Bitter old memories. Uh, we should have Kerry Fraser on sometime. He does a lot of stuff, a lot of media stuff now, so we should probably well, have He should be Kerry. doing community service. For... <laughs> a, little, a little harsh, but I hear you. Um, okay, Rymergate. Big deal. Uh, Carlisle dropped the ball. Everybody makes too big a fuss about these things. What are your thoughts? I, I mean, I think, can you answer yes to all of it? Um, yes, people yeah, do you make can, too you big, can. People do make too big a thing out of this. However, um, that doesn't excuse making foolish statements. I, you know, uh, Reimer's agent, I think, uh, uh, made an error. In, oh, gosh. In, in, yeah, in, you'd in, never do that. you never, ever. Well, but I just don't Reimer's agent did that a couple of years ago, right? You don't but, do that. But I don't understand. There, there's this issue that I have, and this maybe speaks more to social media than to actually anything else at all. But there is this belief, whether whether correct or incorrect, and typically incorrect, that you need to actually show true personality on these things. This is a professional guy. This is an agent's professional Twitter account where he should be, in theory, representing his his clients. And yes, I suppose he is by defending Reimer. But that's not the way you do it. You oh, know, I mean, it's no. it's it's. I it could have been as simple as just putting in a hashtag of I stand with James, and then that shows that it's support, it shows that he cares, that he's on his side, all of that. I thought right from the get-go it's just a silly, silly, uh, you know, imprudent move that shows a lack of understanding of how social media works, and it also shows a lack of understanding of how your own client is perceived in the fan base. Any, I mean, you know, you, even if he is an ancillary character, he is now looking like a bit of a villain in Leafland for, for you know, bringing up trouble. I, that's that's part of my issue. I don't, I don't disagree with his thoughts, but the way he voiced them is not great. No, and I, you know what, I, I, and I would tell you if, if I didn't agree, I do agree, and I'm not picking on the agent. I'm sure he's a swell guy and a, and a fine agent. I have no idea, but. But I, if I and I'm not in the in the shoes of a professional athlete, and I'm not in the shoes of James Reimer, uh, you know, you try to put yourself there, 
in, in a, as best you can as an outsider, I can't imagine that that's what, the way he wants to be defended. You know, we talk about having our clients back. You know, I work in a world where I have clients. Yeah, you want to think you have it, but that's not how you do it. Taking to Twitter to do it is, it just is not. But let's set that aside for a moment. Well, uh, I mean, I guess if, in fairness, that was the first time uh, Reimers had any defense in front of him all year. Ah, well, there there you go. I mean, look, I think you and I are similar. I think we both agree, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but have agreed Bernier has largely played very, very well this year, and there's no he question. Has, he now, has performed Reimer, I would say. We, yes. Now, we can we can debate why that's happened, right? Like, like you know, before we started the show today, I was saying to you, I mean, if, if, if a new guy comes in to take my job and my new boss, the president, Mr. Lewicki, says, calls me the guy we inherited, I don't care how mentally tough I am as a professional athlete. I know my days are numbered, and I know that Dave Nonis and Randy Carlot, everybody is in lockstep behind Tim Laiwiki, and my day, I'm gone. I mean, as, as far as, you know, so they're not happy that he has to play now. It's a shame. Reimer's actually had, as we both know, some brilliant games this year, but he's also had games where, you know, I thought, yeah, there were saves, he's, you know, I wanted him to make the other night in the third period against Detroit. You know, I, there, was, I, you know there were save, saves I wanted him to be making. Um, but the fact is, you know, what what can I say? If you treat a guy like crap, and and they have, in my opinion, this year, I'm not saying that's the reason. He's playing his guts out. He's playing his best. It's not happening for him many nights. He was brilliant in what L.A. in relief, and normally he's been crappy in relief. Let's be honest, right? A few times Bernier has been pulled or hurt. Anyway, it is what it is. I just think it's a shame that everything is so divided now. Between, but th I told people this is what's going to happen. Nobody seems to understand. You can't have two 26-year-old goalies who both want the net. It doesn't work. It sounds great in theory, not great in practice. Well, but I mean, it actually has been. It has been great in practice for the most part for the results. If you if you uh, consider playoff standing or do you result. think James Reimer is happy right now? Oh God, no, no, he is. He is. He is so frustrated. But he's been frustrated. I remember there was a there was a. Uh, an interview with him earlier in the season, this would have been October, where he gave the, the sternest, meanest answer I've ever seen from, from Reimer, who is normally an incredibly affable guy in interviews. Yes, yes. Um, where he was, you know, where basically somebody was asking him, uh, you know, how do you feel about having to split time or, uh, you know, do you feel jealous or animosity towards uh, Bernie or anything like that? And he gave this very, very uh, dark look and, and chose his words very carefully where he was saying, if I had an attitude like that, I wouldn't be, you know, on a winning team, I wouldn't be a team player sort of thing. And you can just tell, um, you know, since then it's been getting, it's been getting uh, very, very, very uh, bad. And, and clearly Reimer is going to be requesting a trade. I don't know, though. I mean, if, 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 if you say that the writing was on the wall, which it was, that, that he was, why well, Wiki said that he was the guy he inherited, that, that this was the case that he got... You know, they brought Bernier in for, for these reasons. Why didn't Reimer and his agent request a trade last offseason? I mean, that's, you know, and say, well... Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they did. Who knows? Who knows I guess, if they did? Yeah, we don't, we don't know what's really going on there. But, or maybe they yeah. thought... I mean, I guess maybe Reimer, Reimer's side thought that uh, Look, you know, I, they, he'd win the battle in net. And anyone, I to me, anyone with any experience, life experience, experience in business, when these things in sports, when these things happen, the the die was cast. Whatever expression you want to use, people can criticize Reimer for not stepping up, for not you know winning the competition. Whatever we want to say, at the end of the day, 
it was always Bernie, in my opinion. People will say, oh, Michael, you're, you're biased or whatever. I don't know if I'm biased. I, I happen to like Reimer. I think he was one you know, positive shining light the last few years, both on the ice and attitude-wise on a pretty crappy Leaf team for the most part. But that aside, I, it was Bernier who got the extra starts. It was Bernier. Like, you just knew from the get-go this year that Reimer was never going to get four or five games in a row. And now he has for the first time or whatever it is since he came in in L.A. And he hasn't been awful, but he hasn't been good enough. And people will say, oh, you see, he had his chance and he didn't do it. But <laughs> this had to happen a long time ago. And and, and, and anyway, it's too late. And anyway, I want to let the Reimer thing go because it just it's so divisive. And I have my own views, and I know I'm on an island. And and most people say, what you know, a it's all about whoever you know, just cheer for the Leafs. Absolutely, I just think it's a shame. I think they, I wish Reimer had been moved. They had a guy who was happy to be a backup, and Bernie is your number one guy because that's obviously what they want. Yeah. And I think you'd have a happier team and a happier dressing room. And people don't realize those things mess a team up. And I I truly believe that. Anyway, what else we got to talk about? What else we got with the Habs tonight? Because we should wrap up. Yeah, we should wrap up. Well, I guess the big the big news, maybe, possibly, sort of, is that Dave Boland is probable for tonight, uh, from last report. Um, now, should I be excited? And, I mean, I love Boland more than anybody. Uh, not more than anybody. As much as anybody. I was going to say, his wife probably loves him. No, no, thank you, Michael. Michael. No, well said. But, but all I'm saying is, early in the season, hey, I became a big booster. I thought we got a guy who contributed to two cups. He's exactly what I've been writing about on my site for years. We need, not, he's not a gray beard, but we need an experienced guy, winning playoff experience, who's played when it matters. That's And he, and he played that way in the first, what, 15 games till he got hurt. I just don't know if... You know, are we rushing him back? Whenever people come back from these serious injuries, I always end up feeling like, like, remember we, you know, the well, you missed the show, or were you on the one we did with the, the person from Tampa Bay? Stamkos is playing, but he's not 100%. Well, right? he looked 100, he looked about 110 No, 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 I understand, I know, I, sorry, I set myself up. But you know what I'm saying, that his injury, he's not, he's a sec, split second slow. Oh, certainly, and, and that and, timing, and that timing isn't going to come, I mean, you know, if, if you look at it. Be, no, I mean he's you know if you look at it, it's been he's been off he's been off uh, for what now four months four and a bit months of yeah. not playing in the actual games. Um, I think it's really hard it's really hard to actually suggest. Oh, I'm mean, uh, getting some uh, news here. Um, Carter Ashton has has been sent down, so I guess Boland really is certain to play tonight if they're needing to free up cap space uh, to bring uh, Boland back in. Uh, anyway, to your point though, um, I don't think we should be excited about Boland being back. He's been, I'm happy. I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy. Oh, I'm, I'm happy because you know you never want to see. I, I always feel so bad. It doesn't matter what uniform the guy's wearing. You hate seeing a player's career cut short by injury, and and you never know with something like that in the foot in something that is so essential. I mean, if you you know you, there's so many players that have been that have had a slight freak accident to the lower body derail their career, whether it's been knees or ankles or feet, anything like that. Absolutely. You feel that. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad from that perspective, from, from you know, a human compassion level, uh, that he's back at work. Um, it has been about a month, though, since, you know, they were saying nearing the end of the Olympics was when he was supposed to be coming back. And uh, I think he was cleared by doctors then, too. Or the, the the verbiage sounded as such that he's been kind of taking it. There's there it's been a lot of radio silence on this, but I think Boland has been able has been medically cleared to play, but hasn't been playing for a few weeks because of discomfort, because of wanting to make sure things are 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 properly knit. Um, and good I mean, for him, good for him, because I would rather that than a guy feeling the constant pressure. We need you. You got to come back because I I mean even now I'm 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 a little bit frightened. Not frightened. 
a concern for him, but I hope he's waited long enough that he hold. And if he is okay, and if he's as healthy as he can be, that he'll you know he'll get ten or whatever games in and be ready for the playoffs. That would be the most important thing if 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 we can do that. What are we going to do, by the way? Have they called up another defenseman? Because with Ranger being hurt, they were going with seven D all the time. They were going with seven D. I haven't seen anything on 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 a defenseman call, getting called up. The real options, I suppose, would be T J Brennan. Uh, if you wanted a, a more offensively minded guy, the uh, the option the other way, if you wanted somebody more defensively minded, would be Corbinian Holzer. That's not exactly um, that's not exactly the most uh, 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 awe-inspiring list that I've just assembled. But um, Brennan, anyway, has been an offensive dynamo for the Marlies and could sure. and you come up. But I mean, right now, Carlisle, I think, was running seven D because he just could, didn't trust his his forward. He didn't trust twelve of the Leafs forwards. Um, Boland coming back maybe changes that. He has more faith and can run a 12 and 6, which is, you know, the standard and is what everybody else does. Um, well, I, I really, really hope they have four lines that they have confidence in they can roll in the playoffs because I'm concerned if they don't. I, I, I don't, I will not get, um, I understand the occasional use of 7D and, and I get that. But well, going into the playoffs, I'd like them to roll four lines. That's just me personally. I don't know. Certainly. Oh, I'd like them to roll four lines, and I'd like them to roll their 12 best forward line. You know, 12 best yes. forwards if they could. Um, going back to it really quickly, I, I might have sounded a bit uh, uh, negative on Ranger. Um, he does deserve some oh, uh, some credit, actually. He's been pretty good at even strength at, at both generating uh, points and, and, and actually, you know, playing the game. Um, while I haven't always been his biggest fan... Really, he's been playing. He has more points at five on five anyway than either Jake Gardner or Cody Franzen, um, which speaks to, I guess, his 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 usage. And so he's going to be, he will be missed, uh, I suspect. Um, you know, if he is out for a, a longer time. You know what? I'll wrap up this way, uh, Michael. And we probably went a little longer today than usual. And uh, but if people, you know, didn't enjoy it, I'm sure they've dropped off by now. Uh, but the fact is that that it's an interesting team, right? The Leafs to me because it's like. Carlisle talks about defense all the time. The one thing that fans complain about constantly is we're not good enough defensively. Everybody's excited about Gardner and Riley, and everybody thinks Phaneuf's great, and you just said, oh, you know, Ranger's been fine, and Gunnarsson's fine. Everybody's fine. Everybody, you know, the, you know the, we have the best first line in the league, and something is not right. I mean, if you give up 40 shots a night, and, like, it's either the system, they're not listening to the coach, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, like if, well, if we're a bad team defensively, there's a reason for it. Either the individuals are to blame, or the system, or the something, or both. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I think it's ironic. Like, we talk about how you know good all these players are, and I'm sure they're all very good NHL players. I don't doubt it. I, we all see them. I mean, Riley has astonishing talent, no question about it. But defensively, if if we keep relying on goaltending and and we get upset and we our you know goalies don't steal a game for us and and we lose because we don't get superb goaltending, that's a dangerous way to live in the NHL. I would think it is. It's a very dangerous. Way. Well, but you know, and again, part of this, uh, I, I will agree with you that it is interesting. That we can talk about how good certain players are, um, and and you know, well, when it comes down to defense, yeah, there's really nothing there. The you know, the least are what second in, in shots against the game or first in shots against the game. Um, that's and quality shots aren't they are still give, I don't care what anybody says they are giving up quality shots well, and, I mean I'm, and quantity is its own quality I mean that's that's one thing that we don't really discuss enough of is that is that the the impact of a goalie having to go and crouch down if they're all playing in the butterfly they're gonna be more physically involved engaged tired Bernier has faced 
you know, hundreds of more shots than other goalies that have played similar minutes to him. Um, you know, these are these are these are really big issues. In fact, actually, one thing I was going to say as well is that Reimer faces even more shots on average than Bernier does. That's not all on him. Um, it's you know, not I mean, just rebound control. It's, it's not, not exactly. Just... You can't say that's just rebound control. Part of that is is that they do not have either a defensive system that attacks players well enough, or they don't have players that can play defense well enough, or both. Uh, and it's it's been uh, it's been a problem. I mean, they've had the only reason why they are they are even still in seventh position is because of superhuman efforts from the top line and their and and, and at least Bernier most nights and and, and Reimer you know fifty percent of the time this yeah. season. You know. Yeah. Listen, I don't know. It, it's been an, it's an interesting team, an interesting season, and. People will, uh, you know, the headline of one of my stories on, on the VLM site the other day was the Leafs, I'm trying to remember what I said, somewhere between, you know, panic and being in the driver's seat. And I think that's how fans feel. If they win two games, everybody will feel good again. Yep. If they lose two more games, it'll be, oh, you see, I told you so. They're going to crumble. They're not going to make the playoffs. It caught up with them. I mean, you just know that. So. Well, and we have, and we have, you know, the next thirty or so hours or uh, thirty-six hours are going to be really interesting. Yeah. Montreal uh, and New Jersey. Montreal tonight. New Jersey tomorrow. If they can come away with three or four points, then they're going to be sitting pretty, looking great in the Eastern Conference. If they don't, they're going to be down to nine games left in the season, and they're going to need a uh, twelve points. Uh, to to lock up a playoff spot, so it's going to be uh, you know this weekend is 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 a time for them to shine, uh, or else the, the the rest of the season is going to be really and, tense. And let me wrap up by saying this: Wouldn't you rather? You know, it's the old thing. We control our destiny. Right now, they get to control their own destiny. They don't have to wait for other teams to lose. But if certain things happen, you don't want to be one of those teams that has to go well. You know, now we have to rely on other people losing. That's a bad way to live in hockey. Oh, and they're—I agree—and they're in—they're in, they're in a very liminal place. Uh, I, I'm with you 100%. They are in between their own destiny and relying on the kindness of strangers, and yeah. that's a—that's a, a weird place to be. Well, listen, Michael. Thank you as always, uh, and Connor McKenna, great guest from TSN Radio in Montreal today. Uh, we thank him for, for joining us. And as you just said uh, very well, Michael, a couple of big games this weekend, Habs Saturday night, Devils on the road Sunday night. Um, we'll talk. We'll see if, if Declan and Alec pull us together at some point next week because it's starting to get serious and starting to get real. So uh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, the chat is always with you. And uh, we thank everybody for joining us on this latest edition. What was this episode? 26. 26 of the Maple Leaf Hangout. My name is Michael Langlois. You've been listening to Michael Stevens from the Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Good luck to the Leafs this weekend. We'll catch you all next time. Take care, everybody. Go Leafs, go.